Welcome to the Shadron Berean Church Podcast, where you'll find some of the latest teachings from Shadron Berean Church in Shadron, Nebraska. We are a loving community of believers growing in God's grace in Christ together. The heartbeat of our church is to have deep roots in the Word of God and to bear fruit by passionately applying it to our lives by His power for His glory. And we thank you for joining us. There's a phrase in there that every kid, every person is worth reaching. And that's the reason they started that camp. A Victory Bible Camp exists to, disciple, to evangelize and disciple youth in Alaska through Christian camping. That's, that's our whole ministry. That's why we do everything that we do. And if we lose sight of that, we might as well not be in existence. Um, and so that, that's just a little taste of what, of what we do there. So like we said, my name is Ben. Uh, ben Bennett is my name. My back there is my lovely wife, Gabby. Um, we've been married now for five years and we've got three kids. Um, Opal, who is four or will be four here in a matter of a few weeks. Then Hazel, who is just over a year and a half. And our newest one, Lindy, who is three months old now. So we've been in Alaska now. Uh, this last summer was our fifth summer up there and our, uh, completed our second full-time year up there. Um, so it is good to be back with you guys. It has been probably three years since we've been, since we've been here, um, which has been a, a, a time um, for us. Um, it's been a little while since we've been back here, but man, time flies. You know, they say time flies when you're having fun, and that is so true. You know, time just goes, but um, yeah, it, it is good. Um, I did attend Frontier School of the Bible, like Justin had shared. Um, I attended there for three years, from 2015 to 2000 and no, sorry, 2013. Let, let's try this again. 2013 to 2016 um, that I was there, and that's where I met the, the Shefix there. And believe it or not, believe it or not, even Justin meeting me could not scare him away. So that's that's impressive. You know, he still stuck it out, still still came, and um, we really appreciated it there. So, um, yeah, we, we are serving with Victory Bible Camp up in, in uh, Glacier View, Alaska is where we are. We're about two hours to the northeast of Anchorage. Um, is located in the, in the Tokitna mountain range is where we're at. So I, you know, growing up, I grew up in central Nebraska, growing up as a, a flatlander boy. I never thought I'd live in the mountains and love it, but I do. It's, I love being in the mountains. There's, there's so much, there's so much to explore and have fun in. And I love what we do up there. So, uh, again, Victory Bible Camp exists to evangelize and disciple youth in Alaska through Christian camping. Um, that is that is our main focus. So what that kind of looks like for a camp is uh, like last year we had 735 kids come through camp. Uh, we run about six weeks of camp normally, about 100 and some kids um, per week. Uh, we run ages 7 to 17 year olds. So we're all over the board on the age group of kids that we get. And uh, we are so blessed to to be able to run um, run camp. We were um, since COVID is hit. I, it sounds weird for me to say, and um, you don't hear this very often. But I'm very thankful for COVID. Um, I'm very thankful for COVID. And and the reason I say that is because the opportunities it has presented us as a ministry for kids to come to camp has been phenomenal. And we've seen more kids want to come to camp in the last two years than probably we have in, in the last 10 at camp. Um, it's just phenomenal. Two years ago when COVID first started hitting, um, I remember when that, that first started hitting and I was getting so sick and tired of it. We were having meetings every other day, it felt like, on 
okay, well, the governor said this, so I think we can run camp if we do it this way and this way and this way and this way. And then later on that week, you'd say something else or something else would come out. And then it's like, okay, throw that idea out. Let's throw another idea in the pot here. Okay, now now I think we can run it this way and this way and this way. And then throw that idea out. And let's plug in another idea. And let's check that idea out. And let's, let's plug in another idea. I mean, I kid you not, from, from mid-April to the time our camp started in June, we probably met twice a week discussing how we could possibly run camp. Um, I mean, it was crazy. I, I, I tell Gabby when I get home from those meetings, I go, oh my goodness, my head hurts just from trying to come up with ideas on all this. I mean, it's just like one thing after another, after another, after another. And uh, yet God was faithful. We had over 600 plus kids that came to camp that year that got to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ in a crazy world. How cool is that? You know, we were not to brag about us at all, but Two years ago, we were the only camp in Alaska to run overnight camping. Um, all the other camps, there's quite a few camps in Alaska, but all the other camps chose to run either day camps or not run at all. And that really opened up the door for us a lot. Because if you can imagine it or not, and most of you as parents know how this works, that you get your kids trapped at home 24-7 for three months, you're looking for any excuse and any reason to get them out of the house, right? It's like a week of camp. Can I sign them up for three weeks of camp? How many weeks can I send them? You know, right? And that, and that, and that really, um, benefited us a lot. At first, you know, at first my, my initial thought when that started happening and started hearing that those stories come out of parents, I said, yeah, I just wanted a week away from my kids. I'd get kind of frustrated with the parents. Like, seriously, you want a week away from your kid? Come on, snap out of it. But then God really worked in my life and really showed me that, hey, what an opportunity. You want a week away from your kids? Sure, send them to camp. We'll take them. We'll share, we'll share God's truth with them. We'll share biblical truth with them. And uh, we are so thankful for that. And that just continued on into, into the next year. Um, in this last year, like I said, we had over 735 kids come to camp. Uh, 735 kids who, who, who really may have not heard the gospel before. I don't know how many did. I don't know how many didn't. We're not, we're not in charge of the results. We're in charge of, of giving. And that's 735 kids that, that, um, that came to hear biblical truth. Um, we had another 213 kids that, that would have liked to have gotten into camp, but we just did not have the staffing to pull it off. So if you really look at that, that's almost 1,000 kids that wanted to come to camp. 1,000 kids in the state of Alaska that wanted to come hear truth from God's word. What an opportunity. What an opportunity to share God's word with them. Uh, we're really, really thankful. During the summers, it's a lot of fun. Um, during the summers, they are, they are really hard. Um, summertime gets, gets really, really long. Um, there's most days we run. Our camp starts on Sunday afternoon. So at 4 o'clock, parents start rolling in, dropping their kids off. And it runs from 4 o'clock till 3, 4 o'clock on Friday um, that we have kids coming in and staying with us. And it gets hard. I mean, it gets hard for us as a family. It gets hard for me personally. You know, you get up in the morning and, and you leave the house by, by 7 o'clock in the morning. You don't get home till 11 o'clock at night sometimes. And it's hard. I mean, it, it is a challenge. I can remember one time um, during one of our camps that it, it, it was just one of those days. And everybody knows how those days go, right? You start off kind of on the wrong foot and it just doesn't seem to change all day long. 
right? It's just like, come on, it's one thing after another, after another. And that was the way that day was going. I'd get, I left the house normally like I do between 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, left to go to camp, and it was just one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. And I got home, I got home that night, it was probably about 11.30 midnight that I got home, and I was like, yes, I'm finally, I can go to bed. This day is going to be over. This day's going to be done. We'll get up. We'll do it again tomorrow, but tomorrow's another day, right? So I get home. I grab some quick supper real quick because I hadn't eaten hardly eaten all day. Grabbed, grabbed a quick bite of food, jumped into bed, and I kid you not, no sooner than I had gotten into bed and laid down, my phone goes off. It's like, oh, man. And you know, the, the inward part of me, that's like, don't answer, don't answer, don't answer. Let someone else answer it. Don't answer, don't answer, you know. But it rang and rang, and I knew the person. I was like, I better answer. So, so I pick up the phone and answer it, and they say, hey, we've got this problem going on. Can you come take a look at it? It's like, yeah, I'll come take a look at it. So get back dressed, go back out, run back out. You know, it's 1230 at night, and go over there, get that issue dealt with. And by that time, it's it's 1.30, 1.45 in the morning, and it's like, all right, good. That issue's done. I'm, I'm going to go home and go to bed. So I get home and, and lay down, and again, no sooner than I hit my pillow. I mean, I, I, I don't know how the timing works so well, but it was. As soon as I laid my head down, my phone goes off again, and Ben, we got a camper throwing up. Can you come help take care of us? And it's like, ah, oh, are you kidding me? Like, you know, I, I've discovered in, in Christian camping, I've discovered kids do not throw up during the day. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Kids throw up time is between 1230 and four o'clock in the morning. That's, that's without fail the window when they always throw up. So I got back down there, got that kid, you know, taken care of and, and got, got them all straight, straightened out and, and got back to bed. And by that time it's, you know, three, three thirty in the morning, something like that. And finally able to go to sleep, you know, those are hard days and it's tough and it's difficult. I can remember one time we got through camp, going through camp and, um, <clears throat> This was one of our earlier summers there, and uh, it was a week. I mean, it was just kids were, were hard, and and we were getting pretty deep beat down. It was like week three. Week three is always just a drag week. They're just By that time, you're just tired. And uh, we had a kid that night that we took in into the ER room. Um, so it was like 5.30 in the morning that I got home that night from all that. And I can remember sitting in bed at... 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning trying to get trying to get up so we could get our staff situated for the day and get them rolling because we got another day with kids. And, and I can remember sitting in bed going, Lord, I cannot move out of my bed right now. I, I, I physically cannot roll myself over to get out of bed. So you're going to have to get me out of bed somehow because I, I cannot, I cannot move. And, and the Lord's faithful in all that. You know, the Lord's faithful in all that. And so it's hard, it's difficult. But what, what keeps us going is, uh, during the summer, I really enjoy being able to share in chapel. So every night we try to have a chapel with the kids and, and share biblical truth with them. And, um, if, if you spend any time around me, you know, I like to talk and I like to chat and I especially like to talk about biblical things. I love, I love talking God's word. There's nothing funner to me than, than to get to share God's word. And so it's great when you can bring a whole bunch of kids in, bring 135 kids, put them in, put them in pews and tell them they can't leave for 35 minutes. You know, it's awesome. It's like, yes, I've got 35 minutes of your, of your time that you can't do anything about. So I'm going to share with you from God's word, right? And I love doing that. I absolutely love sharing God's word, God's word with them. And so I was sharing God's word, word with them one week and, um, 
We typically, Tuesday nights, typically, we call it our salvation night. Nothing special about the night. It's just the night that we really, really focus in on the gospel. And we give the kids, put it right before them and tell them, okay, now it's time to make a decision. And are, and are you going to accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross? Or are you going to accept that, that he is our savior? That we are a sinner? And we are in need of a savior? Are you going to accept that work that he did? Or are you going to reject it and continue on in your life? And, um, I got done with the whole gospel message that night and, um, got, got done sharing with them, you know, when chapel was over and kids, as soon as chapel was over, you know, kids like to exit at a high rate of speed and, and stuff. And, and that's fine. And, and I, and I got done speaking and I saw this one kid sitting back there. Um, his name was Nick was his name. Um, come to find out later his name was Nick. I didn't know him, but I seen this one kid kind of, out of the corner of my eye, stand back there, and, and everybody else is taking off, and he's just kind of hanging around there. And that's abnormal. Like, normally kids just don't hang around like that. Once their cabin's leaving, they're they're gone with them. But he was just kind of hanging around there, and it's like, huh, interesting. And I had a few other things I needed to take care of, so I was taking care of those things. It was probably, I don't know, a few minutes after I got done speaking, I started making my way to the back and, you know, saying hi to this kid and this kid and that, that kid and, and all this stuff. And and the kids are, are, are funneling out, and they all get funneled out, and, and there's this kid still there, and he goes, Ben. Ben, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. Uh, you know, I, I never know. I try not to anticipate what those conversations are going to be because I've had everything from spiritual conversations to just really, really dumb conversations with kids on that, you know. Um, <clears throat> but but he goes, Ben, I, I need to talk to you. And, and he was all jitty. I mean, he was just, I, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, yeah, what's going on? And he's like, Ben, I did it. I said, What'd you do? Ben, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I said, wow, that is so awesome. And he goes, he couldn't hardly talk, and it, it is just, it, it still, it still just gets me going every time I talk about it. And he goes, thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, yeah, you're welcome. He's like, I've never heard that. Nobody has ever told me that before. Nobody has ever told me about what Jesus Christ did on the cross and how I need him as a savior. So thank you. Thank you. And, and, it, and it's fun to me because we don't always know if somebody truly accepted Jesus Christ as their savior. That's between them and the Lord. But that kid got it. That kid got it. That kid knew exactly what he had done. And so in all the hard times, in the, the 3 a.m.s that you, you spend in the times when you have kids that are just ruder than rude to you, kids that don't get it. Um, you know, for, for stories like that, I can think of stories of kids that, that I've prayed for for a lot of years to, to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, and to my knowledge, they still haven't. And year after year, they come, and year after year, they sit in chapel, and year after year, I go, Lord, is this going to be the year that they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior? And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see a kid that goes home that you know, this is the only spiritual truth they're going to get all year long. It's hard to send those kids back home. And, and um, Gabby and I have had a conversation that if there was a way that we could keep some kids there all the time, we would. Because it's hard. You, you hear the lies that, you know, the stories of, of the kids that come that their lives are just messed up. Mom and dad's lives are just messed up. They maybe don't even have mom and dad in the picture. And it's like, I, I don't even want to send you home right now. But we have to. And it's hard. It's difficult. But what keeps us going are the kids that accept Jesus Christ. 
knowing that there are kids that are going home with their lives changed. And you guys are a part of that. We, we so appreciate you guys so much. And not just your financial support, but your prayers. You know, in Philippians 4, Paul, Paul tells the church at um, Philippi that they become a part of their ministry. And they reap the reward of that because they have joined in with Paul. And, that, and that's where we feel with you guys. You guys have joined in our ministry and, and we're just the boots on the ground. You know, God has called us to go to Alaska. God has called us to serve in Alaska and to serve at Victory Bible Camp. And, and we couldn't do it without you guys. And so we are so thankful. We are so thankful for that. Um, kind of what we do throughout the rest of the year, because uh, camp runs June, June and July typically. Um, and uh, that, that's our window of, of opportunity for kids to come. And uh, we, we're very thankful for that. But that leaves the rest of the year. And so what we do is we do a lot of weekend retreats. It's our weekend retreats that allow us to run camp during the summer because it is very costly to run camp um, during the summer. Um, and it is very, very expensive. It's a very high dollar thing. Um, so to help keep the cost down, we, we run weekend retreats. And uh, we run those from August till May, really. Um, and so people come in and rent our facilities. Camp has uh, around 78, 79 buildings that... Um, Camp owns. Um, camp's on about 400 plus acres of property. Um, so that keeps us really busy. Um, the weekend retreats really keeps us hopping. And then as long as planning ahead, um, and it's amazing all the, and I learn this every year that we start talking camp, all the forethought that has to be put in. You would think, oh, well, we'll just bring kids in and we'll play some games with them and share God's word with them and bam, done. But there's a lot of forethought that has to be going into it and a lot of planning that has to go in it, especially when you bring in 100 plus kids. I'm hiring, and I think last year we were averaging about 135 a week um, is what we were averaging. So a lot of those things going on. Um, I also like to help out with our barn program. Um, so camp has 18 horses that we keep year-round, and um, we're very thankful for the critters that we've got. And so I like to help out with that as much as I can. And so during the during the, the fall up till October, and then we pick back up in, as soon as the snow is gone enough, which is anywhere between... April and May last year we um, our, our our spring breakup really didn't happen until like April 28th or something like that so um, we like to run what we call a homeschool horsemanship and that's a really just a neat opportunity to bring six eight kids in at a time get them put them on a horse teach them teach them about riding horses and about um, how you, how to handle and interact with them but also get to share God's word with them and it's a lot of really neat opportunity. And for us, um, it's a it's a different group of kids than what we normally get during the summer. Um, so it's a lot more personal, a lot more interaction than what I normally get during the summer. And so we're really thankful thankful for that um, as well. Camp um, on a whole right now is in a very transitional time. Um, the last few years have been um, interesting for a camp. We'll, we'll put it that way, um, for lack of a better word, very interesting for camp. So we've lost a lot of staff. And we've also had a director that has resigned um, from camp. Um, so we are currently in the in the hunt for a new director um, and, and more staff. Um, we've lost probably nine, somewhere in there, nine different staff families over the course of three years, um, which is a lot, a lot, a lot of staff families. Um, and so we're, we're really down to kind of the bare minimums, and we've had to rethink a few different things on how do you – you know, how do you keep 78 buildings warm during the winter? How do you keep 78 buildings functional during the winter? How do you keep 58 inches plus of snow off the roads <laughs> during the winter? You know, how do you do all these things with a small number of staff? And, 
And so we are still thankful, though, and ministry is still happening. But if you can keep us in your prayers that way, we sure appreciate it. Appreciate that a lot. So personally, what's going on in our lives is uh, we've had three, two more kids since the last time we've been here. So that's keeping us hopping, keeping us going a lot. Um, we love, we've got a wonderful church around there that we are involved with, very heavily involved with. Um, we, we get to lead their worship from time to time. And then we also um, are involved in their WANA program. I'm the commander and my wife, Gabby, she does a lot of the secretary stuff. Um, we get about 15, 16 kids on a Wednesday night that come out and and they absolutely love that. So we're very thankful for that. Opal is a cubby in the WANA program, and she absolutely loves it. Week after week, without fail, as soon as cubby gets, gets done, the next the next morning, Mom, is it cubby's day? Is it time to go again? Is it time to go again? And all week long, that's what almost every day she'll ask. Is it cubby time again? Is it cubby time again? Yep, they know what we're talking about. That's right. That's right. You know, and so um, we're very thankful for that. And then... um Hazel just keeps growing. She loves being able to go with me um, as I do my various things at camp. It's so thankful to be in a place where I can take my kids along with me to work, um, and and they really enjoy that. They both love it. The kids love having them around. They love seeing our kids sometimes more than we we really like it, but that's okay. You know, they they absolutely love it. So pers- personally, we've been uh, keeping very very busy and uh, been been pressing on. So again, thank you so much for your guys' support and for all that you guys have done for us. But I wanted to turn our attention this morning, share a little bit from God's Word, and kind of tie all this in together a little bit from Proverbs 2. Um, <clears throat> from Proverbs 2 um, this morning. And, and kind of a, a little bit of where my thoughts are lies is the last few years for us have been, like I said, interesting years. And it's been hard to decipher through some things. Um, and it's been hard to figure out what is really being said. Um, what is really being said? I, I believe wholeheartedly that that attacks are coming at the church, um, and the church is under fire very heavily. And they're not always, and I, and I believe this wholeheartedly too, that they're getting more and more deceptive, more and more sounding like truth, right? We, we bumped into this issue all the time uh, up, at, up at camp and stuff, is, is you have people that say, we want this camp to be about Jesus. And it's like, yeah, we do too. But we don't want it really to be about all of Jesus. We want it just to be about this portion of Jesus. Or we we want to share the gospel. We're all about sharing the gospel with kids. And and we are too. But, But we really don't want to share all the gospel. We just want to share the fact that Jesus Christ died. That's all that we need to say. We don't need to talk about sin. We don't need to talk about hell. We don't need to talk about anything else. Because that's not important. That's not important. But what's really important is just Jesus. You know, or, yeah, we believe in God's word, but, but let's look at this. Let's look over here. God's, God's word is secondary to this. Or God's word is secondary to that. And it's hard to decipher. It's hard to decipher those things. Because sometimes they sound so much like truth. And they sound just like truth. But you go, hmm. That doesn't seem quite right. Hmm, that's off just a little bit, I think. But how? And so, so today, um, I was reading this Proverbs a while back, and, and it really stuck to me on how do we know what truth is? How do we know? Where does it come from? How can we discern through things? How can we know that it's my life that needs to change versus 
No, this is what God's word actually says. And I think Proverbs 2 really sheds a bunch of light on that. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me and open to Proverbs 2, Proverbs chapter 2. And I'll, I'll be uh, reading out of the New King James Version. That's just the version that I, that I prefer. Um, and so it says, Proverbs 2, verse 1, says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. So right away, we want to point out that he says, My son, if you receive my words. Okay? And, and again, this is Sol, uh, Solomon that's writing. And we know this, that this is God's word that he is writing, right? We, we all know that now. So, so in, a, in a sense, you can say, my son, if you receive God's words, if you receive the word from God, from God's word, and treasure my commandments within you, and treasure my commandments within you. What does it mean to treasure something? This is the part where you guys get interact. What does it mean to treasure something? Okay, you value it very highly. You hold it dearly. What else? What are some other thoughts? Okay, you stare at it. You gaze at it, right? Protect it. Yep. You put it in your heart. You think about it, right? You think about it a lot. We're getting into um, time of year up in Alaska where we start getting a lot of snow and and um, we start snow machining. By the way, if you are in Alaska, it is a snow machine, not a snowmobile. Okay? They will eat you alive if you call it a snowmobile. All right? <laughs> the rest of the world is a snowmobile. Okay? But in Alaska, it's a snow machine. All right? But we're getting to that time of year where, where it, it's, it's about time to start whipping out the snow machines and, and go playing in the snow. And, and what tends to happen, I love snow machining. I absolutely enjoy it. It's so much fun to me to get out on a snow machine and go plow up some mountainside or in some draw that you can't get otherwise. And I love it. But what happens is you start thinking about it a lot. And it's like, oh, well, I need to do this to my snow machine. And I need to do that to my snow machine. Because snow machines always need work. Or it's like, oh, I could sell this snow machine and I could buy this one. Or maybe I should buy that one. Or I should do this. Or I should do that, right? But my point is it's something that I like to do. And it's something that, I, if I'm not careful, can be a treasure of mine. And it's all I think about, right? It's all I think about. A treasure is something that you think about on a regular basis. You hide it in your heart. Okay, so he says, if you hear, if you receive my words and treasure my commandment within you, in verse 2, says, so that you incline your ear to wisdom. What does it mean to incline your ear to wisdom? Okay, maybe let's take a step, step back. What is wisdom? Let's start there. Okay, the correct application of knowledge. That's a good one. Okay, skill and living. What else? According to truth. Yep. Okay, the fear of the Lord. We're going to get to that a little bit later on. You stole my thunder. That's okay. What is wisdom, though? What say you? See, sometimes I think as Christians, if we're not careful, I'm very, I'm, I'm very good at doing this. We read words and we go, oh yeah, yeah, incline your ear to wisdom. And then we, the Bible shut and we don't go, well, wait, wait, what does that mean? What does that really mean? So what is wisdom? Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines wisdom 
as knowledge that is gained by having many experiences in life. Knowledge that is gained by having many, many experiences in life. I had a sticker um, growing up uh, that was on my on our fridge, and I'm going to botch it now. But it said, <clears throat> "Good decisions often come from making bad decisions." And that is that so true? Good decisions often come from making bad decisions. Oftentimes, it's from the bad decisions that we learn a lot and understand what the good decision is to make. Right then, right. I had a kid um, at camp, and this, this, sometimes you just look at kids and go, what were you thinking? What were you thinking, right? And so we had a kid at camp that um, <clears throat> came up through the supper line, and we were serving cheesecake for supper. And they grabbed a big old, big old thing of cheesecake, went sat down at their table, chowed down on the cheesecake cake, just chowed the whole thing down. Gets up right after that, comes walking up to me and says, uh, Ben, I'm allergic to cheese. I'm like, seriously, you just downed a whole half a cheesecake. Like, now what are you going to do? Guess your night's going to be miserable. Like, you know, right? But wisdom is knowledge that is gained by having many experiences in life. The natural ability to understand things that most other people cannot understand. And I like that definition again. All right, let me read it to you again. The natural ability to understand things that most other people cannot understand. That most other people cannot understand. So now that we know what wisdom is, what does it mean when he says to incline your ear to wisdom? What does that mean? Okay, pay attention. Mm-hmm. Right? You have that gift too, huh? Yeah. Yep. Right? Exactly. My wife just gets to the point anymore where she'll just smile at me, and she has a certain smile that I'm like, yep, I heard, we already talked about this, didn't we? It's <laughs> like, yep, we did just a few minutes ago. Right? But what does it mean to incline your ear to wisdom? Okay, a hearer of the word. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yes. Being willing to learn from other people's experiences. That is huge. I, I cannot stress the importance it is to find other wise people and just glean from them. And just glean from them. Yes. Amen. Amen. Right? Inclining your ear to wisdom, to take in what is wise. What what are others saying about this? You know, and that and that was so true. We found this so often uh, where we were at and, and with some of the things that were going on that I had people in my life that I know are very wise people. Very, very wise, wise people. Um, way, way smarter than I'll probably ever be. And so you go and ask them and say, what do you think? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Because I, 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 I can't understand this. I, I'm having a hard time figuring out what's going on. I don't know. What do you think about this? And let them share share with you. Let them go, well, this is, this is what I think. And from God's word, this is where I, I get it from. 
right? That's, that's a wise person that can take you back to God's word. It says, this is, this is what it is. Okay. So first, so that you incline your ear to wisdom. Second, and apply your heart to understanding. What is understanding? It's kind of fun for me sometimes when I when I get up and speak because I've had you know a week and a half to chew on something, and then I just get to throw it to you guys and say, "What do you think?" Right? But what is understanding? Okay, comprehending. Mm-hmm, that's a good one. Very good one. What else? Okay, grasping a hold of what you're learning. Okay, and applying it. Yeah, that's a huge part of understanding, right? What else? Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines understanding as the knowledge and ability to judge a particular situation or subject. The knowledge and ability to judge a particular situation or subject. We have understanding. We know what's going on and we know how to give a good answer because of it, right? I'm, I'm sure everybody's been there and I probably have been on the other side of it. But it is so frustrating when you go ask somebody a question sometimes and they give you just this bizarre answer because they really don't know. Because they really don't understand what you're asking, right? And it's just like, seriously, I came up with that by myself. Like, (laughs) you're supposed to know something more about this, right? And it's so frustrating because it's like you don't understand the situation. You don't understand what is going on to be able to give us an answer to how we should help in this situation. Right? So so first we incline our ear to wisdom. And we apply our heart to understanding. We apply our heart to knowing what is going on in this situation. What is truly being said. You know, again, at camp, this can be so hard because kids say things all the time. And sometimes the things kids say is just like, really? We have a kid that's been coming to camp for five, six years. And he's one of our harder kids that we come to camp. Okay, the kid's name is Charlie, is his name. And I guarantee you, you go up to anybody at Victory Bible Camp and you say, hey, Charlie's coming to camp. And they go, oh, Charlie's coming to camp. And it's just like, oh, Charlie, Charlie. And he can be a very, very difficult, difficult kid. Just kind of in your face, always doing opposite of what you ask him to do. And it can get very frustrating. You can look at him and be very, very frustrated at him. But let me tell you a little bit of, of, of Charlie's life. Okay. Charlie grows up in a home. It's him and his brother, or his sister, live in a home. His far- parents are fairly wealthy parents. Okay. For nine months of the year, they ship, ship him off to boarding school. So they send him off to boarding school. He gets back for a week and they send him to three weeks of camp while they go on vacation. He gets back for about a week after that and they ship him back off to boarding school. What, what do you think Charlie's hearing from his mom and dad? That they don't love him. That they don't care about him. So why do you think Charlie acts the way Charlie acts? Because that's that's exactly what he is. He feels like he's an unloved kid. He's an unwanted kid and he wants attention. So how is he going to get attention? 
by being the most naughtiest kid out there so everybody and their dog's looking at him. Right? That's what understanding can do. Understanding can help us to get past the, oh, it's Charlie, and get into, oh, but it's Charlie. And there's more going on in Charlie's life than what the face value shows. There's more going on than that. Okay? But it, but it takes action on our part. It takes seeking out those things, applying our heart. What does it mean to apply your heart to something? Okay, give your love. Okay, empathizing, that's a good one. Yep. What else? What else does it mean to give your heart to something? To apply your heart? To apply your heart. Okay. Give it your all. Care about somebody else's needs. Invest. Right? When I think of applying my heart to something is I'm not giving up on something. I'm keeping going and going and going and going and going and not stopping. I'm giving it my all, right? A lot of times in sports, if you like sports, a lot of coaches will say you just need to get your, get your heart into it. Get your heart into the sport. Get your heart into that. Because if you get your heart into this, if you get your heart into that, you're going to go a long ways because you're going to start giving it your all. Imply your heart to understanding. Verse 3 continues. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as a hidden treasure. So thirdly, verse 3, if you cry out for discernment. What is discernment? We've talked about wisdom. We've talked about understanding. What is discernment? Okay. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right, right? To be able to differentiate, to be able to judge. To be able to look at a kid like Charlie and go, so what's really going on? Okay, so now how how do I respond? Right? Any other ideas? Any other ideas for what it means to have discernment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines it as the quality of being able to grasp or comprehend what is obscure, the skill in discerning. Okay, the quality or the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure, skill in discerning. So if you cry out for that, if you cry out for that discernment, cry out to God for that discernment, right? James 1.5, fairly common verse. Most people probably could quote it. Get there. <clears throat> James 1.5 says, <clears throat> if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberal, liberally without reproach. 
It comes from God, right? If you lack discernment, lack those things to cry out to God and go, God, I don't understand. Help me to understand because I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. This is not lining up. Two and two are not equaling four here. What is going on? Right? What is going on? He says, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, search for her as hidden treasure. Are you catching a theme going on here so far in these first verses? Okay. He first starts off, says, my son, if you receive, okay, if you receive so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and if you lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and as gold, it's a very active thing. Okay. He doesn't say, all right, if you go back to your house, sit on the couch and say, Lord, help me. He's just a all of a sudden you're going to have everything. Right? That's not what he says. He says, no, if you incline your ear to wisdom, if you apply your heart to understanding, if you seek her as silver and gold, if you cry out for discernment, if you cry out, verse 5 says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Don't you just love that, that promise? Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. For it is God. It is God who gives us the wisdom and the understanding. But it takes work on our part. Okay? It takes work on our part. I love that this morning in Sunday school we were talking about um, works um, versus non, non-works versus liberalism. In, in the contrast of those things, right? And on one hand, we say we have to work to get this. And on the other hand, we say, they say, no, I, I can do whatever I want because of, of grace, right? And neither of those are really true. Neither of those are really true. But the Bible also teaches that if we cry out to the Lord, if we are actively seeking Him, if we are longing for Him, if we apply our ear, incline our ear to wisdom, if we're searching for it, we're searching for those things. He will not leave us alone. He will give it to you, right? James 1.5 again. For if we lack wisdom, ask of him who gives it abundantly, who gives it above and beyond. Gives it abundant and beyond. But we can't just sit on our chair and go, Lord, help me. Okay, that done. Bam. Nope, Lord's not helping me. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, there there's been times in 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 our past um, with stuff that we've encountered at camp that that it has taken months and months and months to try to figure something out because it it is it's it sounds really close to truth. It sounds man, it's like right there, but it's not. But it's not, and it's taken months and months sometimes to figure that out. To be able to go, oh, that's what it is. Oh, that's what's going on. Kind of 
That's exactly right. Exactly right. Right? It's this, it's this circle that goes on, right? We want to know. We ask God and God gives it to us. It's, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus Christ because he is, he, is he is our God. I mean, for lack of a better word, He is our God. He's the one who's created everything. There's no one greater than Him. And He gives it to us if we seek Him, if we ask Him. That's why it's so important to spend time in God's Word. That is why it is so important to bring everything back and go, okay, wait a minute, what does God's Word actually say? What does God's word actually say? I was telling Justin, I was like, man, uh, on our way out from Sunday school this morning, I was like, wow, you guys have got a good Sunday school, a good group of people down there. Because they're all sitting there opening up God's word and going, this is what God's word is saying. And so in our discussion, and as they're talking, and as people are sharing, it's all coming back to, well, this is what God's word says. 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 And that is so important. So I think one of the things that, that Satan in, in this world, um, I think one of the deceptions that he is trying really hard to do is to shove this Bible aside and say it is not, it is not as important as you think. It's not as important. It's a good book. It's an okay book. Yeah, it's, it's a fine book, but here. Here, let, let me give you this book and let me give you that book. And let me tell you why this book's not quite right in that. And let me tell you why this book's not quite right. Right? It goes back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Right? And, and, and Satan's question to Eve was what? Did God really say? Did God really say that? Are you sure God said that? Are you really sure God said that the wages of sin is death? Eternal separation from God? That doesn't sound like God. You probably don't want to tell that to others. You just just keep that aside. Are you really sure that God said that He died for everyone's sin? No, no. Let's just shove that aside. That 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 sounds way too inclusive. We better just shove that one aside. Are you really sure that God said He made them male and female? No. Let's let's shove that one aside. That's that's not really that's not really truth either. Right? But it happens. It happens so sneakily, and we have to be so careful. And that's why I really do believe, if you get nothing else out of the message today, that I really do believe that you have to seek after wisdom and understanding and discernment. It doesn't just come just because you want it to. It takes action, and God will provide it. He is faithful. He is faithful. And it is always my prayer that, Lord, you show me areas in my life that I need to grow. And you show me areas in my life where I'm not very wise and I need more. And you show me those things. But it is an active thing. Okay? It's all from God and it's all because of God. God has given us everything everything that we need to know in his word. God has given us it all. So my question to you is how active are you on it? How active are you on it? Are you like sometimes in my life where you open up and you read a few verses for the day and go, check, that's done for my list. Right? We're coming to church on Sunday morning and go, all right, yeah, that was a great sermon. All right, see you guys next Sunday. 
I'm going to live my life now. How active are you in seeking God's word? So I want to encourage you guys with that. And again, I, I want to just tell you guys, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for allowing us to share just a little bit about what's going on in our life um, and what's going on in life. Alaska, I'd love to talk to you guys more. Thank you.